as, yeah, we know the feeling, don't we, when suddenly we can be overwhelmed by a situation that just happens and it kind of takes over, doesn't it? Something emerges and uh, it's a terrible feeling. And we're going to look at that in the two Psalms that I've chosen. We will be looking at the Psalms in another one of this series later on, but I don't think we can ever have enough of the Psalms, especially when it comes to calling out to God where we're in trouble. And these two psalms have been particularly meaningful to me. So they are Psalms 18 and 27. So if you could turn now to Psalm 18, that would be great. And um, we'll learn about how David coped when he was in trouble. So it is page 550 or 550 in the church Bibles. And I have asked you... Uh, to get into groups of two and three, if you're able, if, and that would be fantastic. Um, one or two of you weren't here when I announced that it would be great if you could sit in your twos and threes, but it doesn't matter if, if you're not, we'll work it out, I'm sure. Uh, and there's no, there's no pressure in this, it's just something quite straightforward that I think doing in pairs would be more fun and better than doing it on your own, uh, or threes, whatever works. Now, I'm first of all going to ask you to do something you might think strange, and that is, if you would stand with me, if you're able uh, to stand, and we're going to read together the first six verses of Psalm 18. There's great power, isn't there, in, well, I believe, in the spoken word, because it is God's word, and God's word is truth. So as we stand together, we're declaring his truth. So there's a sense of us working together, cooperating, and to learn what he's got for me. So, Psalm 18. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me, the torrents of death overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Thank you. So do sit down. And um, if If you're out on a limb and not not with somebody, then please do move across so that you can join someone else. Because, okay, now I would like you, in pairs or threes, uh, please, to pick out, in these first six verses, all the words and phrases that David uses. He says that God is something to him. If we do the first one, if you look at verse one, I love you, Lord What is he? His strength. I love you, Lord, my strength. So what or who is God to David? Are you able, please, to pick out those things? And I'll just give you a couple of minutes because it's really not a big task. Uh, And so, yeah, please help one another and to find those things that David says. Sorry, there are plenty of Bibles. Should be. Oh, a pen. Oh, I should have put out pen and paper. I'm sorry. Write on your hands. Is there any paper at the back there, Liz? No. Oh, that, I'm, I'm a bit cross with myself for not thinking of that. I'm sorry. We'll have to use our memories. Yes, shocking, isn't it? The teacher wasn't ready. I see that um, Claire is using her phone. <laughs> no, no, to jot things down. Brilliant. 
Oh, dear. found okay have we found them enough I, have I given you plenty of time is that good I was only teasing Claire I'm sorry it was very facetious wasn't it I always used to think it awful when people were on their phones I thought, oh, but of course I realized they were all actually using their Bibles and <laughs> it was me that was in the wrong anyway um, yeah if you would be willing to call out to anyone what words you found um, yes uh, Going down from verse 1, anything that you want, just call it out, I'm really not expecting you. Strength, absolutely, verse 1, yes. Carry on. Yep, rock, thank you. Fortress, thank you, over, yep. Rock, in whom, refuge, yes, rock in, I thought that one, rock in whom I take refuge. David's taking ownership, isn't he, of his God, it's saying he's my God, he is my refuge. Yeah, okay, any more from further along? Shield, yes. Yeah, horn, the horn just symbolizes strength, apparently. I'm not really sure it's an Israelite, um, Hebrew-type word. And last but not least, I think we had stronghold. Thank you. Brilliant. So what do these strong expressions tell us about David's faith in God? He obviously had a faith, didn't he? But would you say that it was a, a, a good faith? What, what do you, good isn't perhaps the right word. Any um, words you'd like to describe his faith? Strong, yes. Somebody said something else. Solid faith, absolutely, it was a solid faith. And how much we can learn from that. God was not some impersonal force. He was a genuine reality and a support to David of massive proportions. So I thought, let's consider, this is just a reflection for ourselves. How often do we, do I, turn first to a friend, a relative, a colleague for help when we should first go to the Lord? I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I might think, who will relate to this situation or to this thing I'm scared of the best? Who's the person I know that will actually really understand me? But actually, our, yes, our human supports are really valuable, aren't they? They're vital. Prayer, a prayer partner is such a gift. Uh, a, a prayer triplet, a small group, you know, if it's a small enough one where you're really free to share. And in Galatians 5 verse 2, Paul says, bear each other's burdens or carry each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, so in other words, we're meant to support each other, aren't we, in tough times. But the first person we should be calling is Jesus. He is waiting for us to come with our fears and anxieties. Hence the first song that Amy did, which was my request, um, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I know it's an old one, but it's one that really does re- resonate with us, doesn't it? And David is a model of how we can do this. Now, in verse 6, if we just look down in our Bibles, you've already looked at it and studied it, so you half know it by now. Verse 4 and 5, he's saying the dreadful situation he's in. He, he's uh, overwhelmed by the taunts of destruction and the cords of, uh, of the grave are around him. But what does he do in verse 6? In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called or cried to my God for help. What does he record in the second half of that verse 6 that God did? I think it's a really good description. Would anybody like to call, read it out for me nice and loud? The second half of verse 6. Thank you. 
from his temple. Well, in the, uh, in the Hebrew day, in the Israelite days, that was the, the, the focal point where they believed that God was in the sanctuary, in the temple. He heard my voice. His cry came before me into his ears. Lovely picture of God's ears and the, the, uh, the cry of David going into it. But now, who is David's, I beg your pardon, who is God's anger? No, I'm sorry, I've gone on. I beg your pardon, now we, go, we are going on. We can feel David's confidence lifting, can't we? We can feel it's increasing. And now we're going to see how that confidence gathers momentum in the next nine verses. We're going to read verses 7 to 15. I'm not expecting you to stand up every time. I will read it. If you'd like to join in, then please do. Verses 9 to 15. He, uh, oh no, I think it's actually, we should read from verse 7, shouldn't we? 7, that's right, verse 7. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind, his covering, his canopy around him of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones, bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them, were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare. At your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. So, what a picture of God. That's a bit different, isn't it? Maybe for some of us, it's a bit alarming. This is a different side to God, an angry God. Uh, and showing his power over nature, his awesome power, his control uh, over the natural world, or we might say, his justice, his anger, his wrath against evil. But who is his anger directed against? Let's check this out. It's not David, is it? Verse 14 will tell you who it was directed against. The enemy, absolutely. And the enemy was those who, and we have many Psalms that tell us this, David was treated terribly badly. There were many jealous people, wildly jealous of him because God was on his side. And there were people who were against him, seeking his downfall, even trying to kill him. So that's who God is angry with. So can this Psalm comfort us when we are in trouble or afraid? Yes, because God was on David's side and he knew it. And Romans 8 verse 31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And hallelujah, yes, because Jesus has died and paid the price for sin. He now is totally on our side in every way. So isn't that comforting? Now we're going to move on to the very best bit of this psalm, in my opinion. We're not doing the whole, whole psalm. Uh, we're doing three more verses, or is it four, 16 to 19. So read with me if you wish, or just follow in your Bibles, verses 16 of Psalm 18 down to 19. This is God. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes, 
who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Thank you so much for reading with me. It's lovely. I really, really like it. So look how David describes this powerful God figure who's controlling all nature at his will. He reached down from on high like a physical large hand arm and took hold of me in verse 16. He drew me out of deep waters. And then verses 17 to 19, uh, how about his enemies confronting him? But the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. What could be more comforting? So now, uh, this again may be a rather strange thing to ask you to do, but I would like you, in your pairs and threes, to choose one of the verses that we've read from verses 1 to 16 and try and learn it by heart together. Don't worry about which verse to choose. Just pick one, and it can be part of a verse, and I'm going to start you off. I know this may be a little bit alien, (laughs) but I believe that there's great power in knowing God's word and hiding it in our hearts the Bible tells us that. So let's supposing, I'm just going to give you this as an example. Let's supposing we choose the first half of verse 2. It's only short. I'm not asking you to learn the whole thing, obviously. So verse 2, the first, the first sentence of it, basically. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. So I'm going to say it, and then I want you to repeat it after me, and then we'll say it all together. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Your turn. Altogether, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Thank you. So that's exactly what I'd like you to just have a look now and see if there's something you like. We'll just talk about it, but have a go. Okay. Turned it off. Is anybody bold enough to share? I wasn't going to make this a big thing. So if there's anybody who is, would like to stand up if you wish. Oh, it's so fun. It's like being back in the classroom. I can't resist it. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, if you would like to, or just say it. Anybody brave enough? I could hear Sarah and uh, Sally, isn't it? No, I don't know you. Thank you. Excellent. Give them a clap. That was amazing. Thank you. 
Anyone else brave? I know we're not used to this, but actually, aren't we all children? In, in the Lord's eyes, we're children of God, aren't we? And actually, to be learning his word, it's a fab thing. And I'll, I'm going to tell you a bit of my own testimony as to why it's such a key thing in my life uh, in a bit. So, um, yeah, anyone else who's, who's brave enough? Otherwise, we'll move on. It's not a problem. Rose, I could see it in Rose's eyes. <laughs> okay, thank you. Perfect. Thank you. That's a good way of doing it. Yes, I'm doing half each. That's wonderful. So now it's a brilliant practice to do and to learn things so that you can actually say them in your own individual situations. It could be something awful to do with your kids, something that's really going wrong, something at work you're finding really hard in your health, perhaps, or um, unfair things, you know, call out to God about how he's with us or whatever. And in relationships, of course, which can be the biggest of all of our issues. Now, the last point I want to tell you about Psalm 18 that I love is, and, and to think about, is why does God delight in us? Why does it say in that last verse that we read, verse 16, he rescued me because he delighted in me? That's pretty key, isn't it? Why? He's our father, absolutely. And John 3, verse 16, it's called a, a, the gospel verse of the New Testament, where, which many of us will have learned as children, I certainly did. John 3, 16 has the key. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So God sent his own son willingly to die for us. And Jesus was willing. There are many references to Jesus saying, I've come to do the father's will. And he died to set us free from sin and the darkness that binds us in our lives to bring us into his glorious freedom and to walk with him by faith day by day. Okay, on to the second psalm. I do hope I'm not taking up too much time. Uh, let's, uh, it's not as much on this psalm, you'll be pleased to hear. Right, Psalm 27. As you're finding it, it's on page 557 in the Bibles. It, uh, verse 1 was my baptism verse. I was 14 when I was baptised. And verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Was a verse I learned when I was, you know, when I was very young. And you know, it's ironical because I've been afraid of people, adults at any rate, most of my adult life, which may sound crazy to you because I've got a good front, you know, and can come across as confident, but that's not the truth of it. Uh, so it's been a really key verse in my life. Anyway, we're going to read, um, and please join in as you have been doing if you'd like to, verses 1 to 6, and then do a little exercise like we did the last time of picking things out that David thinks about God. So shall we do that together, verses 1 to 6, and then in your twos and threes, pick out those um, words and phrases. Okay, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid when the wicked advance against me to devour me? It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, 
He will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. Music to the Lord. Thank you so much. So, yes, do follow the same pattern. God says, uh, David says, sorry, that God is certain things to him. Um, There's a few more this time, but I don't think it'll take you long because you know what you're doing. If you can pick them out and then we'll call them out in a few couple of minutes. enough time? Yes? Okay. Right. Please do call them out as we did before. First one? Light. Yes. Without light, we don't see God's light, do we? That's a great one. Thank you. Salvation. Absolutely. Stronghold of my life. My goodness, that's a good one. Anything else? Go on. Yeah? Chris? I thought... His dwelling, yes, absolutely, his dwelling place, yeah, where he wants to, to be, that's right, keeping safe in his dwelling, like a safe place, that's what we want God to be, isn't it? Anything else? Yes, yes, uh, I got hiding, I thought hiding place from trouble, that was a good one, and in verse 6, his, his joy, uh, what's the verse say, verse 6 says, at his tent, sacred tent, will I sacrifice with stout? So he's his joy, isn't he? Okay, well done, thank you. Well, now again that we have uh, shared our findings, how can we apply to our lives all the things that David declares God is to him? Are there any of these phrases that David uses that find echo in our hearts? Do we see God in similar ways to David? Is he our safe place, our light? Now, I learned, this is the testimony bit, I learned Psalm 27, verses 1 to 6, by heart in my early 60s. Sorry, not my early 60s. I'm in that now. Goodness me. I learned Psalm 27, verses 1 to 6, by heart in my early 30s, uh, so 30 years ago. When I came to know Jesus fully, I'd been a Christian for many years from a Christian family, but I had never grasped just how much I'm loved by God, just how much God loved me. I came from a brethren background, some of you know about, it's strongly evangelical and Bible-believing, but very strict with a lot of do's and don'ts, and in fact, it felt like they were more don'ts than do's. So at 17 years old, I had a kind of rebellion, but became very ill, mentally ill, with anorexia nervosa. It was my, as I say, rebellion against a repressive upbringing, but a very unwise choice, a very unwise choice, because it damaged me massively, particularly mentally and emotionally. By God's grace, I did recover from uh, the anorexia, the physical side, if you like, but little was known about the condition. You're talking 45 years ago or so, 
uh, and even less was known about the link between anorexia nervosa and OCD. And many of you will know that OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, and that came along and I suffered from it for, uh, well, about a year after I got over the anorexia. Uh, and I didn't know what was happening to me. And actually, I had no help because it went on for eight years. And although having my own children, which I did in my, tw in my 20s, I had all my, my three children, kind of saved me because I, I loved the kids. I absolutely loved them. I, I loved teaching and children, as you know. I love children. Uh, so in one sense, that saved me. But I was permanently depressed or anxious because, as I say, I had, I had, I had no treatment. I didn't. I thought I was a bit mad or more than that. So when I was 30, on the advice of a lovely Christian friend, I went to um, a Christian counselling centre called Harn Hill in Gloucestershire. Some may have heard of it. Um, it's a bit like the well in its principles, you know. And, well, two elderly ladies were uh, assigned to me. Instead of asking me about all the phobias that I was experiencing, they asked about my quiet times. They said to me, did I have them? No, I said, I had three young children. How could I? Then they said that having a quiet time regularly, in fact daily, and a quality time that was on my own, alone, was the key to helping me with my terrible fears and anxiety and the depression that inevitably followed. And I took those ladies at their word. I got up at 6am before my three children got up. I don't do that now. I'm retired and we're both retired and there's no need. I'm not saying that people should get up at 6 o'clock at all, but I did then. It was difficult, but I did it. And I met Jesus in my kitchen. It was so powerful, I, it was truly life-changing. I began to love God's word because it spoke to me so strongly. But although I had now met Jesus, it took years for me to know release from the anxiety and the depression. Habits of warped thinking clung to me more naturally than any new wholesome thought patterns. But I had begun to really seek the Lord in his word. And I started with the Psalms, hence today. I found they contained so many verses and passages of real hope and comfort that I could cling on to. And I began learning portions of them by heart. I would try and say the verses aloud whenever I was gripped by a fear or phobia. And the more I did this, the more I began to experience some release, some release. I won't pretend it was easy. The enemy finds a, a way in. If, he's, if a door is shut on one side, he'll come into another, won't he? So, uh, and that definitely happened in my life, unfortunately. But Memorizing the verses so that I could use them in my daily battle became a positive ha habit that made a difference, and it's done so ever since. It's like I'm praying the verses. It's the link with prayer, because actually I'm saying them as a prayer to God, and that's what I believe we can do when we're afraid or in trouble. Pray to God, his word, particularly the Psalms, which are sort of the short things that you learn. They're the ones that you chose. They're short, aren't they? They're not you know, a great long theological verse or anything, although those, that, that's valuable too. But nevertheless, it's, it's powerful because they are God's words. And Hebrews 12 verse 4 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And I believe that's absolutely fundamentally true. It's been true for me and it can be true for you. Now, I don't want to go on uh, to say the last bit because I just think we've, we've had enough uh, and it, the time is ticking on and I'm sorry for that. We'll discuss them in our groups things that might be a barrier. There's a few questions there, thought-provoking provo uh, stuff for you to get on with. 
Um, so we will discuss things that might be a barrier for you in our prayer times and Bible reading times when we go into our groups. And I'd like to urge, I hope you don't think I'm being too pushy, group leaders, please, let's try and keep this fresh in our minds, what we've been thinking about, and not just chit-chat. I know, as I say, it sounds a bit teacher-like, but it's such a part of our growth as Christians, doing our, getting on with our quiet times and spending time with Jesus. Uh, and I reckon also, I wouldn't be surprised, if some of you will be sloping off anyway, either to the Boston Tea Party or perhaps the New Bold Common uh, Arms for a good old chit-chat and you can chat to your heart's content after Oasis has finished. I don't know whether that's planned or not, but I'm just encouraging you. Let's keep to it what, what we're talking about now, please. Okay? Uh, and thank you for listening. Let's have a prayer to finish with. Lord Jesus, we have enjoyed your presence with us this morning. Thank you so much for being the light of our lives, our light and our salvation. Whom shall I fear? Lord, we pray that you would help us when we are afraid, that you would help us to turn to you, to use your word, like in the Psalms, as a way, as a tool, Lord, uh, of um, encountering your presence and your victory over fear. Help us, we pray, Lord, in our times now to share together uh, appropriately and wisely. In Jesus' name, amen.